Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> okay. You're listening to Music Well. Don't be afraid to mess up. We get that all the time. Do, do you write the lyrics first or the music first? For me, the yeah. music comes first. I don't know if I see them as obstacles as much as just goals. There's got to be this um, stages of development, you know, like the child uh, yeah, development yeah, yeah. kind yeah. of models, but for <laughs> songwriters. That, you know? yeah, no, I, believe, I believe it. Hello, and welcome to the ninth episode of Music Well. Today's episode is called The Songwriters Expo, and I thought it'd be like an exposition of songs, but also an expose, as in that we're exposing ourselves, because today we're going to look at uh, songs that we've all written in some way or contributed to, but also show some songs that we enjoy and that we take influence from. Uh, today in the studio, quote unquote studio, we have two guests. We talk about it. It took a lot of work. This is a studio, uh, yeah. Uh, it looks like a studio. It's legit, yeah. Uh, we have uh, Jake Elliott. Jake, when you want to say hi? Hello. And we have Will Bremen. Hey, guys. And your usual your co-host. Co-host, Stephen Sysom. Welcome, everyone. I can't believe we oh, made yeah. it happen. Uh, usually, when we start out the episode with a guest, we like to get have them introduce themselves and just uh, say a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe why you're here. What? Like, why the heck are you here? Cool. Pertinent. Cool. Yeah. Should I start? So, yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, my name is Jake Elliott. I, uh, I was born and raised here in Santa Barbara. I am the uh, worship and music director at the Free Methodist Church, and I'm also in a band called Acres. And I'm a good friend of Voss, so he invited me here today to talk about some of my songs and, and some inspiration. So, uh, yeah, that's a mm-hmm. little bit about me. Cool. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Um, I'm, I'm Will Bremen. Uh, I was not born in the Santa Barbara area. Uh, I'm from originally the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. And uh, I came up uh, for college where I met Jake. Uh, we played in each other's bands. We, we basically li- lived in the music department at Westmont College. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I work as one of the worship leaders at Anthem Chapel in Goleta, California and work full-time outside of that as a singer-songwriter and uh, as a corporate musician. So I'm playing all the wineries, breweries in uh, Santa Barbara and Slow County uh, for the most part. Yeah, and your, yours is an interesting story. Well, how, say a little bit more about how often you play, how often you perform out there. What, on a good day, how many like venues or performances do you do? Um, on a good week, I've had between six and seven shows uh, within a four-day span. So I've played more than one show um, per day. Uh, sometimes I've sung. Uh, I think the worst was uh, I had a, like a nine-hour day. And how many performances was that? Was that? I think that, that amounted to three separate places. So I started mm-hmm. in Summerland, went up to Goleta um, at a great spot. Shout out to our friends at Captain Fatty's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went all the way to Ojai for a late night show and woke up and just could not talk the next day. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it, for those listening, if you want to, d- don't do that. Ever. Don't do that. <laughs> don't be me on that case. Don't do it. Don't uh, emulate them. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback after this whole thing and you listen to our fifth and sixth episodes. The fifth one was with Katie Fritzke, who talked about 
the difference between being a performer versus a musician and mm-hmm. how to blend the two. Mm-hmm. And then we actually had a vocal coach on the sixth episode talk about how to do long sets and try to preserve your voice. I'd love yeah. to get your feedback later on. Uh-huh. You'd probably find that interesting. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah, that's hard work. You just get tired. I mean, being creative in itself is hard, and then having to do the kind of thing with performing music live, that's an extra uh, extra element required of us. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of us have had some experience playing live and being in bands and, and songwriting as well. What have you guys found is the most... Uh, I guess something you didn't expect from doing this that you didn't know going into it. Huh. Right. So we have this imagination, this imagination of, oh, it'll be great. It'll be out there performing in front of crowds or whatever. But yeah. But what is it on the ground floor? Yeah. Well, for me, uh, growing up, I had a lot of experience performing, but always in... Um, musical theater and choir and uh just very various various musical things that was me performing other people's music and with other people and so before kind of starting to become my own songwriter and performer i uh i thought that that would be a pretty smooth transition and pretty like pretty easy step it's a whole new level of vulnerability in the song the the sharing of your songs uh and just performing actually is a whole different ball game when you're not uh taking the character or impersonating someone else or something else as you would in musical theater or even in in some kind of choral performance uh there's no other job to be done than just being you up on stage, which right. So that which is I really found, revealing. Which is really imagine. revealing. So that I've found is is pretty new for me. So two two or three years ago, I would have said I have a ton of experience performing. Now I would say performing this kind of stuff, I'm I feel very new. <laughs> now you're, you're like I had, I know nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. What about you, Will? Um. I, I, the ground floor is a big friggin' ego check, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when I first started doing um, the solo bit uh, about two years ago. Um, and it, prior to that, I was hiding behind um, a mutual friend who we know who is also prob- a very good mm-hmm. frontman. Yeah. Uh, was very natural with the mic, and being an introvert, it was just easy to hide behind that, sing when I need to play whatever part that I needed to. Um, And when you're playing out here uh, for money, when you're playing out here for the wineries, the breweries, if you're going out there into those circuits, most of the time, either one, you're playing for maybe two or three people, you know, and you're just burying your soul for those two or three people, uh, or it's for a large room of people who mostly are not paying attention. You're essentially becoming background music. Right. and that's not an ideal situation either way. Um, it's got to be surreal. In, in a way, it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, what makes that great is that on one end of things, um, the people who do pay attention become bigger fans, I think, out of it because you're not obligated to hear what I have to do. You, you're mm-hmm. just you're just there with your friends to. Yeah have fun and um, be in each other's company. But if I could turn that one person, you know, 
yeah. uh, they become bigger fans because now it's this added I've met with them I've drank beer with them I, I, I know them on a more personal level than I otherwise would just watching them play let's say the libero yeah. um, but on the other end of things it's uh, it's turned my writing and how I arrange songs um, I now approach it with um, a lot less uh, uh, with a lot less fear you know uh, there's um, I, I, I approach it now with just more of um, not really giving a shit attitude mm-hmm. um, and that helps um, it helps a lot um, because it gets more of the uh, authentic feelings and the authentic uh, vibes that I'm going for out there mm-hmm. um, knowing that okay well people can take this however they will so uh, it's it's definitely sparked a, a good resurgence in um, in my songwriting, mm-hmm. which I never thought would would happen just from playing, you know, whatever whatever yeah, <laughs> shows with, out here. Yeah, with, with just random shows. Mm-hmm. I I think of like you sharing that moment with people in the crowd. It they it's it's always interesting that that you just have that. There's this sort of you're not. You're not there to impress anybody, but you kind of want the validation too. Mm-hmm. And they always have that choice. And then they could say, well, I don't like your stuff, so I'm not going to listen. Or I not even say that. They just, by virtue of them not listening, yeah. aren't sharing that moment with you. But it's just such a special thing when they are. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And, and you value every moment when, totally. when that does happen. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, if you aim for success, you probably won't get it. But if you aim for authenticity, you'll get success along with it. Mm. Boy, yeah. good. Wow. That's right. a, yeah. I like that. So that gets down to your motives for being performers and musicians. Like Jake, you were saying, it's difficult to, or it's challenging to be yourself right. on stage. So, like, what version of yourself is that? The most vulnerable? That was you privately writing the songs, you know? <laughs> or is it is it that guy? But a little filter added about I know I'll be performing for people. You know, there's a but there's a number of layers to yeah. think about for performance and yeah. and what the motive is for when you eventually present your music. Totally. So yeah, well, so I appreciate that you're you're saying you know screw it, I'm just gonna be me as I am, not really worried about the the outcome per se, other than I'm just gonna do my best as me as I understand me. Yeah, mm. and it's turned me into a better frontman, I think, because I, I no longer have anyone to hide behind. It's just you it's know, you. yeah. yeah. It's funny for introverts. You were saying that you can hide as an introvert behind like the lead, uh, lead singer, the lead vocalist of the band. Also, I've noticed in myself. I was an introvert when I was uh, playing in churches and things, but and I used the guitar as a as a way to hide behind the crowd, hmm. so I could at least sort of like duck down and look at my guitar or right. something like that. Right. But it's something else when you're writing lyrics, and then, and I, I feel like there's this, uh, there's got to be this um, stages of development. You know, like the uh, child yeah, development yeah, yeah. kind of models, but for <laughs> songwriters. But, yeah. you know? no, I, believe, I believe it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm in the baby stages right now. <laughs> totally. So, well, great. That's a, I, I like that um, we started on that note, mm-hmm. a, a performance, because we're all kind of already in that in some way. Um, I'd like to, how about we do this? Let's listen to some of our own songs first, and then we'll talk about my follow-up question, which is, what is it then like writing and then performing that and sort of the process there? Mm-hmm. So, cool. do you guys want to like re- Rochambeau this, or who wants to go first? Hmm? Sure, volunteers. Sure. Going alphabetical order. Alphabetical. <laughs> I'd be last. No, you'd be alphabetical first name or last name. Uh, yeah, that's it, right. You'd yeah, be last first. I would name. be last. 
Yeah. <laughs> but uh, last names, I think I'd be first. Yes. Letter v, B. V, yeah. VW, yep. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm. I could go first. Sure. Let's do it, we, Jake. We got a we got a unique uh, opportunity in the in the studio. So Jake brought his own guitar mm-hmm. uh, to perform one of his songs off his new album, which is called. Which is called Proof. Proof by I'm, Acres. I'm the one guy who misunderstood the uh, directions of the podcast, <laughs> so I brought my guitar. Overachiever. So, yeah. <laughs> so like tell it? us about this song real quick, and then uh, you can go ahead. Yeah. Um. So this song is called The Wheel. It's track two off of the album Proof. Um, so this song is one uh, that means a lot to me because it's not um, it's not so much a, a story or a narrative as it is. Uh, it's actually just some wisdom that was given to me by a mentor of mine uh, that was really impactful uh, so much that I wanted to write a song about it. So the idea behind the wheel is, um, I had a I worked at a real estate firm for two years, mm-hmm. uh, and my boss there took took uh, me and my coworker uh, out to beer uh, one afternoon, and he was talking to us. One this other coworker was engaged, and he was telling this coworker he was kind of asking him about you know, his upcoming marriage and, you know, just kind of, kind of, kind of asking him, um, some kind of, you know, are you, do you feel ready for this questions? And one of the things that he ended up talking about and telling us was that, um, that some study or some statistic had shown that, um, people who, uh, whose marriages ended in an affair, were people that said I would never they they would never have done that that people that said yeah you know two five ten years ago I would have said that I I, that would have been impossible for me Mm. um and so the idea there and the the phrase I remember him using was they they felt immune to to this this failure and so they they were asleep at the wheel and so, uh, mm, and right. so, um, that image just really stuck with me. And, and, uh, I think not only is it for me, but I think it's just such an important message that I, uh, I just got pumped about the idea of sharing that through music. Um, cause I think that that's not, um, yeah, that, that's, you know, that's not a cliche message in music. I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of love songs. There's a lot of, you know. There's a quite the opposite. I would never do this. I'll always be yours. And always right, be like, right. Yeah, but this is kind of just a raw like. Yeah. That reminds have me. You considered. Yeah. Have you heard of Pedro the Lion? Yes. Yeah. Like pay, like what Dave Bazan writes. He just huh. writes these like killer, brutally honest. Yeah. Songs. That, yeah. That don't sound like traditional. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So. Uh, That's great. So yeah, that was the inspiration for the song. We would love to hear it. All right, cool. Let's do it. Brother, you're tired out, and sleep comes like a thief. 
So look outside the window in disbelief At your burdens, name the pressure points inside And for heaven's sake, stay awake We'll be driving through the night Brother, you fired up, your tears dried up long ago So celebrate your good decisions along the road But just remember, listen to these words you hear It's the ones who feel immune who often fall asleep at the wheel So you think you're the best man So you're gonna live forever So you think the test is done You're not so severed Now the world starts caving in And you think you're at the center See the grave you're standing in Get out, get clever, and we'll drive together So you think you're the best man So you're gonna live forever So you think the test is done Your knots are severed Now your world starts caving in And you think you're at the center See the grave you're standing in Get out, get clever, and we'll drive together So you think you're the best man So you're gonna live forever So you think the test is done You're not so severed No! Now your world starts caving in And you think you're at the center See the grave you're standing in Get out, get clever And we'll drive together First live performance on our show. Oh, yeah. nice. Awesome. Very cool. 
Man, great job, Jake. I, Thank you. I was, uh, you know, one thought I had listening is yeah. your message is a hard-hitting kind of message. Huh. Like if you were to put it out of a song and you came up to somebody that you trusted or trusted you, you're having an honest conversation about the forecast for their relationship, and you said, right. you, you'd say, don't fall asleep at the wheel. You know, right. it'd be hard to receive that message. Huh. Uh, but when it's put in a song and, it, and it's catchy like that, I can just see people bobbing their head listening to it and then all of a sudden it starts to seep in like oh oh wait oh that message oh, yeah okay i love all that right, i gotta obey you know so i think that's the beauty the power of that. putting stuff in in, a song in music yeah like you really do have a sincere message and it, it'll kind of kind of gets through in a different way yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's exactly. awesome yeah that's awesome any of the particular lyrics you felt like um you want to highlight or dive into a little bit more huh um, yeah, I think when applying, you know, this, this, my boss's wisdom to my life, it highlighted a lot of pride that comes with that. So that's kind of the idea of, so you think you're the best man, so you're going to live forever. It's kind of this idea of, you know, this, this male pride that I know we all experience of, you know, kind of, kind of I'm above it. having, having, having <laughs> moments where we're on our high horse thinking yeah. we're above you know this this failure and that that's the danger zone um yeah so that that was yeah that's kind of what that what that chorus is about what were you gonna say it reminds me of this concept in uh, psychodynamic therapy so carl jung came up with this concept of the shadow if you guys heard about it Mm -hmm. um it's the shadow side of the ego which is the self the self and not like ego, what the common parlance is, where you know you're you're uh, narcissistic or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's not what ego means. Ego is like a, a concept of the self, mm-hmm. the psyche, or like the, the psyche, the the overall sense of huh. self, um, where you can be, be a little bit detached from um, everything that's happening. Hmm. So one thing about the uh, the the shadow is that it's it's whatever the op- it's whatever is uncomfortable for you. So, for example, somebody who is who's a really nice guy, for example, they won't want to admit that they have some anger issues or mm-hmm. that they may have violent tendencies or they they may be manipulated to do such things, right? It's why some we saw some of the things we did in uh, Nazi Germany or in certain tragedies around the world, uh, a lot of just average people were caught up in this thing. Huh. The theory goes that they just weren't aware of what their proclivities were, what they were capable of doing. Hmm. Just like in, if, a, uh, let's say, a violent crime offender, a violent offender who's sitting doing time, for him it might be that his shadow is that he has a vulnerable nurturing side. Hmm. But he doesn't want to admit that. Hmm. Right? So the shadow is whatever is not... Inco- it's relative to each person. It's relative to each person. Yeah. So it sounds like the antidote to being taken over by our shadow is to be self-aware. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. to it's to integrate that. So it's to be okay. become in touch, yeah. come in touch to, with it. Yeah. Uh, so you think you're That's the best good. man, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's calling out the thing that we don't want to call out. So the next song, who wants to volunteer, boss? So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I could volunteer my song. song. It's a, a, a band that I'm in called the the Peer Council. Uh, it's me and three other dudes in town here. Um, we, I, I don't even know how it happened. I, I was sitting at, at uh, a, friend, a common friend's place that uh, that Will, you know, we mentioned him earlier before the show. He, 
He's like, hey, Voss, I, my barber just like told me about this band that he's in. And do you, do you want to, it really sounds like something you'd be interested in. And I was like, you have anything to show, like a demo? And he showed me some scratch tracks. And I listened, and I was like, yes, 110. Like, I'm so, <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I'm so in. <laughs> it, it's rare when you hear that, you think, uh, you know, because there yeah. Usually, it'd all be something where it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm 80% in, but this was right. like, I'm 110. Right. You, you don't right. usually expect your barber to whip out a math rock <laughs> yeah. scratch. Yeah. <laughs> and it was exactly that. It was this math rock sort of thing. Um, reminded me of so many bands I just loved growing up in high school and just kind of stuck with me ever since. So awesome. uh, we're kind of, um, uh, I guess, I don't know what we model ourselves after, but sort of late 90s uh, indie emo bands like uh, American Football, Braid, mm -hmm. things like that. And, uh, but with like a sort of modern tinge. And so this song is off of, this song is called Disillusion. It's off of our, I guess, two song EP that we put out last summer. And it was, um, it was sort of this one last hurrah before um, one of our band members became a dad. So his, his, his son was actually born that month when we recorded this these two songs mm. so we wanted to like write these all and get these done um and what can i say about it, it it's a song of, it's a protest song mm. essentially i mean it, it's you'll, you'll hear some of the language in it um talking about uh obedience and falling in line or falling out of line mm. and a politician there's some messages about politics i didn't write any of the lyrics um I wrote the lead guitar parts and did some background vocals. So anything cool. that lead sounds lead guitar-y, that's all me. Okay. Sweet. So yeah, let's give it a listen. Sounds good.
of a 90 sound yes i like it so yeah there's a it, it's interesting to hear my our work my it's just like to go from what we had at the beginning these really scratchy weird uh there's something there there's an idea huh. but we have to build on it and so the way that uh, since i didn't write in the lyrics I'll, I'll explain like maybe my songwriting process our songwriting process in this it was just the guitars and loosely the drums and mm. as a lead guitarist I just had to come up with stuff on the fly and it was a lot of practices and there, there were a lot of practices where I just kind of didn't know what I was doing but it felt right it was sort of like carving out from from marble you know you just you just chip it away and it's like oh that looks like a good like grain to go along uh -huh. and then I'll just go with that yeah so it's whatever felt most natural as we were going along with the, mm. the practices um, and that, I don't know, maybe that's a, a good way to kind of open it up for you guys. What's the, what are your guys' songwriting processes? How do you go about it? I feel like every day it varies, man. Um, I think the, the, the most common thing that happens when it comes to my process is that I'm usually basing at least the structure of a song off of a musical idea. So for me, the we get that all the time. Do do you write the lyrics first or the music first? For me, the yeah. music comes first. Yes. Um, and then out of that, you know, I have uh, lately, lately uh, I've been writing just lists of themes and then getting back to it when I can to to write on those ideas later. So um, I, I I usually peruse that list like, hey, this might this might work for this, or if I'm feeling it at the time. Mm. Like I, I want to write on this topic, or I want to see if I can get somewhere on this on this story that I'm thinking of. I I wonder that myself how everyone else does it. Uh, if there's a motif that you go off of, like I want to make this sound like, uh, like I've written a song where I thought I want to make it sound like timeless, like a hymn. It was mm -hmm. a Christmas song. Yeah. I want to make sure like a lot of people can sing this song. So I made it sound as sort of hymny as possible. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, do you have that kind of thing where it's like a composition idea? Yeah. As well. Yeah, I would say so. Um, usually, yeah, and um, 
that tends, at least in my case, to reflect, um, especially when writing this last EP that I did, um, to reflect my influences and kind of the goal of what I'm, what is the message or what is kind of the central theme around the record going to be. Hmm. Um, so it becomes really cohesive yeah. as a whole. Yeah. Like, not just song by song, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, at least when it comes to the music uh, behind it, yeah. um, I tend to go in a lot of different directions with um, the, the subjects of each song, but um, the, the music behind it, you know, at least that can make it be the glue that sticks together. Mm. So uh, this was the first song that I wrote off the new um, EP. It's uh, the Santa Barbara Soul Music EP. Um, and this is definitely the softer, probably most lo-fi uh, track on it. Um, and uh, I wanted it, you know, from a musical perspective, I was listening at the time to a lot of Mount Erie, a lot of Sun Kill Moon, um, a lot of old Jose Gonzalez's old, older records, yeah. and uh, trying to play off the themes of some of the stuff that they rock ab- that they write about. Sorry, not rock about. <laughs> rock about uh, they they rock hard. Um, Especially from uh, Sun Kill Moon's album Benji, because that's kind of the that's the gateway drug into the rest of his uh, of his repertoire. And um, at the time, the the newest album uh, that Mount Erie had written was A Crow Looked at Me, which was an entire it, it is a it is a dirge of an album that just goes into very meat and potatoes of um, everything that had happened in the year that his wife who was also a musician, had passed away due to cancer. Um, and I was, at the time, um, reflecting on probably one of the worst breakups that um, had happened to me uh, maybe a year or two prior. Um, and uh, a lot of it was going through the, the, the themes of dealing with the uncertainties that a relationship has to carry. And... Um, were both of us ready for that and just a- answering or not answering but at least asking and going through those questions you know and it, and it was great for closure and it was great therapy writing that song uh, the, the main theme that that had come out of that uh, was uh, there was a there was a moment in in the weeks leading up to that um, implosion where uh, she had told me something along the likes of you strike me as someone that if I gave you olive leaves from wherever in Orvieto or something, wherever she had her study abroad earlier that that season, um, that you wouldn't understand the meaning of them, and that you wouldn't understand why I would give these to you. And so uh, I worked off of that, and um, it, it's also a, a great example in storytelling because I talk about planting olive trees. Those things are expensive. I can't. I, I did not plant actual trees, <laughs> and. Um, to seeing, to seeing where it went. And I use a lot of imagery uh, from where I was living, which uh, you remember Jake because uh, he was one of my first house guests. It was in the boonies in Carpinteria, just out in the sticks, <laughs> and uh, just working off that and trying to make that all into a nice, um, nice uh, cohesive unit. So, uh, yeah. Um, Sweet. I, I didn't bring my guitar today, you know, but... It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. We, we got to queue it up. I didn't bring my band, so we're Either. all good. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense.
Just finished decorating the house It's only a block from the main street And high enough on a hill to see The most lively sunsets at the beach I got a couple olive trees in the garden And the bookshelf is stocked to keep us talking About Milton and Jane Austen and Annie Dillard For centuries It's everything we were hoping it would be I just wish that you were here to see Do you remember looking at the stars And we told each other our bizarre dreams I wanted to make it trying to sing And you dreamt of killing it on the stage Well now I'm finally seeing my side happen We're gonna tour the whole country And the only thing that'll make it worthwhile Is if you were here living the dream with me And you left before we ever got to take those risks at all Oh, you were too afraid of the unknown And you left before we ever got to take those risks at all I'm not a smart man, it's plain to see But I know you did better than I ever could at loving me And now all these things that I have feel they carry no meaning Cause without you they're just a bunch of useless knickknacks And a couple olive trees I knew that you would love so much But you never told me why So I never fully understood But I planted them anyways In case by the grace of God You ever came back So they would be there waiting For you to love I'm not a smart man It's plain to see But I know you did better than I ever could At loving me And now all these things that I have feel They carry no meaning Cause without you they're just a bunch of useless knickknacks And a couple olive trees Will, thank you. What a sweet, comforting kind of song. Yeah. But it's it's also it like the message is is good. There's a process of growth through yeah. it, resolution that happens. Mm-hmm. But it's it's growth through something difficult, something yeah. painful, mm-hmm. a separation. You know, it's almost like you're repainting an image of the relationship the way you wish it would have turned out, or some aspects of it that right. you want to preserve. Mm-hmm. Um, even though in in reality it's gone, but we can still give value to that relationship exactly you know, through the song. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I just appreciated how kind of on tailing off of what you said earlier, just how raw the song was. Like, just listening to it, you could really, you know, feel the emotion behind it. Yeah, there's certain certainly a heartfelt quality to it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. There's a yeah. It, it comes it comes to that title for uh, in, in the word in your title of the of the EP is soul. Right? Mm-hmm. It hits the soul. Because I think people would imagine like soul music, but it's yeah. more than that. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. You guys, mm-hmm. you guys hit it better than I could. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm wondering, and th- I said at the beginning of the epi- of this episode, like we have this, the title, which is Songwriters Expo, but it's also an expose. It's to expose ourselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like, for me at least, you know, putting your songs out there and having others listen to it and performing it, like you did, Jake. I mean, we're we're putting our ourselves out there hmm. what is it like for you guys to to do that um uh, i think part of it just comes through experience and playing a lot in town yeah. um i remember reading um getting back to this book called the stranger by albert camus mm-hmm. and um for those who read it we know how that ends where he's sentenced to die and he's going he's looking back on his philosophy in life and um towards the end the last couple pages of the book is like well screw it let them greet me with cries of hate let let them do what they will because at this point everything is out in the open Mm. um and uh without being that sadistic is that the right word Mm -hmm. (laughs) fatalistic yeah without being that fatalistic um (laughs) you know i i like the idea of of you know what what is it to me anymore you know this is now out in the open for you to to have i think jack jack and meg white did, said that in um in their uh farewell post of this is now out there for you to enjoy this is now out there for you to make of it what you will mm. yeah mm. yeah what's it like for you Jeff? i think um it's funny for me one thing that i'm that i've just found along my songwriting journey is some of my songs that are about the deepest things are actually they they turn out unintentionally being just pretty meta <laughs> and so <laughs> right. which actually makes them so it speaks true to you and to a larger truth right right so it, it that to me actually makes it a little easier to share because um you know and that's not intentional it's not a, I'm, a it's mask not an, that I'm, I'm hiding. trying to put out right. it's just a you know th- this is uh, this is kind of the only way I can communicate this kind of feeling yeah. through this through these meta lyrics, and so if anyone else can connect with them, then great. Kind of a um, yeah. kind of a an attitude toward toward those songs. I'm actually trying to be less meta with my lyrics that's and more personal that's one yeah yeah that, more personal. that is a good um that that leads to a good thing which is like what is your obstacle in songwriting because part of songwriting is getting over some things in yourself huh yeah <clears throat> what would be our our sort of like hang-ups that we're like man i, I just can't i seem to like i get stuck on this like this is my thing yeah mm. for me it's over over sophistication Mm-hmm. what you're saying say it simply in that in that process of trying to simplify what i'm feeling or thinking yeah. that makes me more makes it more true or helps me understand better instead right. of just being 
so sophisticated with words and melodies and whatever I can put in it. And I write a lot of poetry, so it's like, how complex and multi-layered can I make it instead of just saying it simply? That's my Keep right. it simple, stupid. Yeah, right, exactly. right, yeah, right. And still poetic or artistic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a tough balance. Yeah, I agree with that. That that's it's a huge thing for me as well. But um, one part that um, gets to me typically is uh, overanalyzing what I'm doing. You know, it, for some songs, I'm writing paragraphs, sometimes pages of material that I have to compress down. Is it a lot of throwing out lines? Too? Yeah, it's a lot of throwing mm-hmm. out lines. It's a lot of reworking, rewriting stuff, and then rewriting more pages to get that feeling a little bit more concisely or a little bit more dialed in. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes uh, the perfect in that case can be the enemy of the good. Yeah. Um, Often, I would say. Yeah. Me uh, doing that, because I'm naturally overanalyzing the heck out of a lot of that. You know, uh, it, it takes away from uh, kind of the, uh, the the initial inspiration. You know, I, I think of it as um, it's a, it's a similar idea in my head to the idea of leaving. Uh, where is it in Revelation? Um, you have lost your, your first love. You have fallen away from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm thinking of that in the sense of um, the initial inspiration that the wonder that brought you here that brought this song about yeah. at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You remind me of. Um, my friend who is an artist, he's an illustrator, he's, done, he's worked with like big projects and things like uh, Disney and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation with him, he was like feeling down one day, and, and this is part of the creative process, I think it relates to this. He was just saying like, I don't want to suck, mm-hmm. you know? Like I'm, I, I just know what I'm worth, I know uh, what I could produce, but yeah, I don't yeah. want to suck. Uh-huh. And part of the lesson for him was, I think what I told him was like, just journal crap, like just draw whatever you want. Yeah, and he said that that was a moment for him where he was like, "Oh, I have to give myself permission to suck." Huh. I remember reading it in uh, one of Pat Pattinson's books. Pat Pattinson uh, started the songwriting department at Berkeley School of Music, mm-hmm. and um, he said it like, "Don't be afraid to write shit because yeah. that mm. shit makes the best fertilizer." Mm. <laughs> oh, nice, <laughs> nice, nice, Honey. so good. And that's cool. No, I, I've used that. I've kept a lot of stuff because I can go back to that for reference at the very least and be like, hey, yeah. this might work actually for this song, you know. Yeah. When I when I get ideas, lyrical ideas especially, I always write them down. I write them down in a note somewhere yeah. for me. And even if it's just the silliest thing, I can always pull from it later. Totally. Yeah. Totally. A little sketchbook. Totally. Yeah. Thank God for voice, Apple voice memos. <laughs> Apple yeah. voice memos. Yeah. Apple notes. Yeah. 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 For real. Yeah. What about for you, Jake? What's this, um, uh, I guess, just all of what we're kind of talking about right now? You mean the obstacle? or The, the obstacle. Or, or, yeah. I, I think kind of um, what Stephen was saying is, is just rings true for me in that um, when I look at the songwriters that I really respect, and they're the songwriters who have had, you know, made it through these long careers in music, um, and when I look at how their songs have progressed, oftentimes they've gotten a lot simpler and clearer without, but, mm. but still growing in, in musical quality and uh, cohesive, co- cohesion, mm-hmm. co- cohesivity. Mm-hmm. What's the word there? <laughs> cohesion. 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 <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a toughie. Um, yeah. But and so that's something I really respect. So, um, you know, as, as I'm writing, uh, or as I keep writing, 
I more th- more than me. I I don't know if I see them as obstacles as much as just goals, like mm. kind of a direction. Like I want to keep getting clearer and and more concise with my music, but also growing in you know in in energy and uh, just in in performance quality. So um, then, one of your obstacles might be that. Um, Fall, falling into laziness or something like that. You have to keep, right. keep setting goals for yourself. Right, 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 right. right. Or, or the tendency to uh, to not um, have a direction or aim. or yeah, to to just l- kind of let the the first you know meta outburst of thoughts or emotions when co- when it comes to lyrics, kind of ending there. You know, not not re um, you know having another go at returning to yeah, it and returning editing. to it. Yeah. So. Mm. Well, that's well, a good uh, transition, I think. Yeah. To, did you want right. to share your song, Stephen? I will share just a little segment. All right. Yes. For yeah, we'd love to hear it. One, I'm I'm in standing on the shoulders of giants here, so I'm gonna look like a <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 you're not. Uh, and well, I'm not as well versed. You know, when you put what's a thousand hours principle, Malcolm Gladwell talks about, I have probably six. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have a small amount. So uh, the other thing is the sound quality is a little tweaky. So I'm gonna play you guys a song. It's called Mis Cambios. I actually wrote it in Spanish. Uh, when I lived in Mexico in 2012, part of Westmont in Mexico's program, um, I, w- I bought a $70 cheapo guitar right there. Nice. You can see. Oh, it's a sweet. Like, kind of nylon deal. And I think I was just lonely or alone a lot, and I wanted to put something in music, so I wrote down a, a sort of a hymn to God. So I have the, a couple of the lyrics I'll explain after. Cool. But um, let's just see how the sound quality is. There we go.
Gracias por no dejarme así Gracias por llevarme cerca de ti Gracias por una boca decir Todo lo que siento nunca mentir It gets on this theme, Jake, with your song about being honest. So hmm. the first lines are, Cuando quiero lo que merezco, cambias lo que deseo. So it's when I want what I deserve, you actually change what I desire. Hmm. Uh, it's a self-righteousness that's being checked by God himself, saying, hmm. like, you think you want this, that's good for you. What I'll do is actually change your desire. I can see where your heart is, but you you want the maybe the not most healthy expression of that desire so I'll change your desires hmm. um, in el curso de poco tiempo encuentro más de tu amor maravilloso so in just a short amount of time I encounter more of your marvelous love uh, the chorus says gracias por no dejarme así gracias por llevarme cerca de ti so thank you for not leaving me as I am uh, thank you for carrying me close to you hmm. and it's just a simple tender little song um and and beautiful thanks yeah Mm -hmm. for some reason writing in spanish it's it's liberating in a way Mm. there's um not as much of the constraints of sophistication Mm. that i was talking about and i can sort of alleviate that and just go with what's more simple because my spanish isn't as good as my english so it forces me to actually simplify Simplify. yeah yeah that's great that's cool wow so that's that i'll play uh i feel intimidated because in, I, I speak Russian as well, and I, I, for me to write in Russian is like, I, I wonder if it's because Russian is this language. Spanish has like a simplified sort of approach to sentence structure and syntax. Russian has all these sort of conjugated verbs and ways that you can communicate something. You can communicate the same thing five different ways. 
and <laughs> so for me it'd be like a, a real challenge to mm-hmm. to simplify when it what I'm doing already is yeah yeah well I encourage you to more do complex. it or maybe take a song that you've already written and then translate it into Russian see huh. how that turns out right maybe that could be a, cool. yeah. my next project yeah. there that's cool. so goals yeah. for yeah. myself huh Jay yeah well, I will play a song that's inspirational to me. Maybe we can transition Let's to that. Let's do that. Awesome. Yeah, round two awesome. is the songs of songwriters that we appreciate. Round two. <laughs> round two. Fight. <laughs> um, so this song by Nick Mulvey. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that, we, we took this somewhere. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're orbiting. So, I'm so sorry, back. Steve. <laughs> Not offended at all. Uh, so this is song, a song by Nick Mulvey called Fever to the Form. A little bit ambiguous maybe in that phrase for the chorus, Fever to the Form. What does that mean? Hmm. I think with some of the other lyrics that we hear, we can understand the interpretation of that. But this song I chose because it's, it's a sound that I wish I could make, for one, uh, the songwriting style. Two, it's just ripe and juicy with emotion, which I love songs like that. Um, some some are well the particular emotion is sentimental um, you'll get a sense for it and it's just he's got a great voice so here mm-hmm. we go Nick Mulvey fever to the form So go on, fill your heart up with gladness Not a moment too soon Not a moment too soon We should be rationally Choose a child to ignore Of this I've never been sure So I will follow the feet
Oh, that was, oh, that was so vibes. Good. <laughs> My vibes. Goodness. Who is that? Nick Mulvey. Nick Mulvey. M U L V E Y. Those are deceptively complex arrangements. Yeah, yeah. for real. I think we both perked up at the same time. <laughs> we heard that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that the uh, like. The bass came yeah. in. Oh, wow, how juicy. Came in late. And came in I way late. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like the arc of the music follows the arc of the lyrics. Uh-huh. He's getting more and more intense with the meaning of the lyrics, right? He's, the part where he says, the thing that you're afraid of makes you clean but unclean. It's the dirt that you're made of, but it's nothing <sighs> to fear. fear. And it's like as soon as he's bringing that in, the music is pumping and pulsing more. Uh-huh. And it's just like... Climaxes when when right when you hit the most yeah like the meaning of the lyrics yeah this yeah. is one of those songs that you guys ever have this when you're writing your own and you've written it and you've recorded it and it's all gone and you're like produced and blah 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 it's like on a record right but then you come back to it in your own head or you like play it again you're like oh man this would have been great to like add to the thing totally you have this it, this is one of those songs that reminds me of that where he may have I don't know thought of all the different sort of variations that you could have went with it and. It's clear that he added a lot of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, feel so like I feel like that's what some song songwriting is. It's it's how many, how much of the song is in this song already, uh-huh. and yeah. how much have have I yet to discover of it? Mm. That's a good way to put it. Right. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. song felt like he discovered so many aspects of it and just like took them huh. and and wielded them like like yeah. it was it was his body parts yeah. of his own. You know. So uh, I brought to the table. Um, one of my personal favorites from Mount Erie. Uh, it's off his latest um, project called Now Only, which, uh, to quote um, Anthony Fantano, <laughs> of all play of all people, <laughs> is um, um, I I agree with him in that it's a really good epilogue to A Crow Looked at Me, mm-hmm. um, and I noticed in hindsight that um, a couple things that I got out of this track were one, especially in the second part of the song, how he plays, um, how he arranges those guitars. Um, I love the storytelling aspect of it. I love, um, as sad as it is, his uh, ability to just put his heart out on his sleeve and just get it out there for people and to recount deep, um, intimate memories with his wife. Um, Especially with the title of the track, Tintin in Tibet, it references just only a small part of the whole story, but um, he has a gift in, in this album and in the last album with songs like seaweed or swims or crow um to take these images and it turns into while it's just maybe a small part in the lyric construct it's probably the most poignant um piece of the whole song um i I could probably think about more about it but uh let's go into it yeah yeah let's do it i sing to you I sing to you, Geneviève, I sing to you, you don't exist, I sing to you though. When I address you, who am I talking to? Standing in the front yard like an open wound Repeating I love you To who?
played all these songs about the echoes in our house now and then walked out the door to play them on the stage but I sing to you I picture you when we first met you were 22 I drove my truck onto the ferry to Victoria in the morning where we met and talked forever in your apartment with evening falling so I brought my blankets in and slept on the floor right next to your bed in the morning barely awake I saw you standing right above me peeling an orange and looking hungry do you want some? you asked me and then just avalanched into me with pieces of orange and weight and kissing and a certain tea I remember you a few days later in Tofino where we'd driven to play a show you'd set up for us at a surf shop to no one then we slept in the back of my truck and got woken up by the cops and so went down to the fishing boat docks to ask whoever for a ride across the water to Mears Island to just get left there for the day and we did brought some food to eat and went through the big trees abandoned and in love totally insane apart from the rest of the world we had finally found each other in the universe lying on the rocks waiting for the boat to come pick us up i read the one book we had with us aloud with my head on your lap sinking into and snow and distant longing in the Himalayan air high and cold with a bell ringing out and then right before you died 13 years later in our house I remember through your gasping for oxygen like reading his journal yeah i i thought so at least when i first heard it man now that reminds me of the when i was in high school listening to bands and artists at the time it was just like these were the kind of artists i was listening to just um 
Dave Bazan, early Bright Eyes, mm-hmm. and Connor Oberst, sort of early Death Cab. Um, they were just like bearing their souls sometimes. It um, reminds me, it has a lot of, if you've ever, ever heard the Bright Eyes song, Lua. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just uh, hurts. It yeah. hurts. It hurts my inside. Um, just bled all over that. Yeah. Man. My goodness. And you know what? It, when I listen to that song, it reminds me of this song so much. It was, um, I was dealing with, um, a friend had just died in a horrible car accident, and she was only 20, 21. I think I was like 24 at the time, 25, and it just broke me. I think I listened to that song, and I had to like pull over because I couldn't see. I literally could not see because I was crying so much because it was like that song was a way for me to process the other thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Wow. Sometimes it's, ha- I, I don't know, sometimes it's, for me, the, the music and the songs that we've come across, it really can, yeah. sounds cliche, it just like saves your life hmm. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. No, but I think, I think the thing that I admire most about, about um, Mount Erie and, and guys like Dave Kozlek and, and, and others, sorry, not Dave, Mark Kozlek hmm. um, and others, um, is their ability like this to really bear their soul and be, and be honest you know, mm-hmm. I, I love honesty in songwriting, and it's guys like this that are above the norm for me because uh, it, it it just doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like something that's spoon fed. It feels like something that's just completely out there. You know. Yeah, and he could have because of the content of it. He yeah. could have went really complex with it and made it like this amazing sort of swan song to his dead wife, but like. Right. No, and part of it is um, how soon. Kept it simple. Yeah, no, part of it is due to how soon that the this record and the record before it came out after that. You know, uh, we don't know if he's gone through his five stages yet of grief, sure. and so he's still. Yeah, that's what makes it even more haunting is that yeah. he's feeling that, and you know and he's feeling as that. we're listening to it. Right? Yeah, and we don't know if he's like discovered two more new stages. Yeah, to, to that grief or how far along he is in any mm-hmm. of that. I was I was actually pretty listening intently just to his arrangement of the music and i just thought that the music like mm-hmm. evoked all that emotion that you guys are talking about right um, yeah i felt it before he said sa- like saying yeah totally and you even mentioned a journal it's kind of like i like it it's kind of got that intentionally unfinished quality of you know like he's sitting with like, his journal yeah totally right. it's just raw you know it's like he's coming so up with this on the spot too, you know he's got that guitar pattern and then this upright bass is like barely even hitting the notes like in the same you know kind of like time scheme you know it's just kind of like this yeah this uh fumbling through but but in a be- like beautifully arranged like it right. you know that's all of that feels very intentional yeah, that something can sound so like really really beautiful fumbly yeah. can sound fumbly but also um so Poignant and like actually yeah, yeah, like says everything it needs to that's say. Part of the art, yeah. It's right. not just the notes; it's like yeah. how the notes are actually conveyed. Um, conveyed, yeah. I was listening to this. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of uh, Rick Beato. He's this producer. Oh yeah, Rick Beato. I love his channel. Oh, he's he's a legend. Him he, and Adam Neely. That's who. Yes. Are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them. There. He he talks about um he he does this series called uh, What Makes a Song Great. And he yeah. strips down all this, like these great songs throughout the history or whatever, of like mostly rock bands. And he did uh, one of my favorite bands, At the Drive In. And when he broke it down, I was like, oh my gosh, like none of this is is in pitch. None of this is perfect. 
Everything about all the arrangements were messy. Mm. And he says, but that's fine. It's all vibe here. Yeah. It's all vibe. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you need to pr- to convey in your music. Right. Just depends on what you're going for. Right. Right. So, but you can pitch perfect that and make it just sound really nice if you yeah. want to. Yeah. Just a, I guess it's a creative license choice, you know. Totally. Just be thinking that. The one word I'd use for that is ghostliness, that track. Mm. the There's almost like the memories are a ghost to him haunting. Huh. And there's a sound, as the sound itself, and there's like a, a large, almost like a gong in mm. the early part. Yeah. Like it's a sound from a distance off, and it's kind of wafting and coming at him. And he's got to reckon with this. He's got to reckon with these ghosts in his life from this relationship. Yeah. Oh, and you can also hear him feeling like he's going to the himalayas with that i think yeah. you know it, it's it evokes that at least um when i hear it 100 mm-hmm. percent yeah. agree mm-hmm. yeah ascending a mountain yeah yep. he is sisyphus mm-hmm. something like pushing that. the boulders that sisyphus right the, up the mountain yeah. minus minus the long lines at everest i guess yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh jake let's talk about your song that you awesome. inspired yeah. by awesome so my uh contribution is a song from john foreman who is um, who is probably my number one musical uh, in inspiration, and this song is called Terminal. And uh, John Foreman is a, he's such a fascinating writer. He uh, so he's the lead singer of Switchfoot, and uh, this is off of his set of solo EPs. And his solo EPs they kind of it seems to me that they play a different role than the music he writes for Switchfoot. Um, it's just I, I think it's pretty different. It's a, uh, it's a little more, um, yeah. Well, I, I've already I've said the word raw three times already in this session, so maybe that's kind of it's that's raw. Kind of, just, just own <laughs> it. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. But um, it's, uh, it's sushi. Yeah, yeah. But so this, uh, um, yeah, this song is. I mean, I, I guess I'll let it speak mm-hmm. for itself. But um, yeah, it's a, it's been a powerful one for me. So there you go. Terminal 
traffic or the phone I remind myself that we've all got cancer in our bones Don't yell at the dead Show a little respect is terminal It's That's terminal. Yeah, that song uh, kind of models for me what I was talking about earlier about the goal of of simplifying. Um, it's a really just simple song, uh, especially lyrically. Um, you know the the chorus: "We are the the living souls with terminal hearts, flickering like candles." Um, and then the verses are are really like almost these these like childish sentences like Childlike, they almost yeah. seem obvious or or immature yet they're they're really poignant like uh to this idea of his that wow you know how many of us you know aren't aren't fully living our lives you know how many of us are just kind of these dying souls you know not not you know what do you say about living to a hundred? But something, something. Uh, he said, uh, "Some folks die in offices one day at a time. They could live a hundred years, but their souls already died." Yeah. Don't let your spirit die before your body does. So yeah, there's there's nothing, um, you know. He just kind of he's just saying it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, that's what I appreciate about um, 
this song and just kind of how his writing has really matured over the years. I saw him live um, at the Libero Theater a few mm. years ago, and it was probably one of the... I, I don't know how this happened, but for me, it was one of the top five concerts I've ever been to. It's awesome. I, mean, I, I wasn't like a huge John Foreman fan yeah. or anything, but I just was like, hey, he's in town like with Sam. Yeah. And I loved the show, and uh, one of the things he said during the show is like, writing... Writing songs is like making hot dogs. Everyone wants to know how. Everyone wants one, but doesn't know doesn't want to know how it's made. Oh, funny! Everyone wants a song, but doesn't want to know how it's made. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's <laughs> good, John. Thank you, John. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a lot of like, it's there's crap involved. It's it sometimes sucks to write. I don't know. It's not huh. always a fun process for huh. me to write. I, yeah. There's a lot of for me like I. I have to push through a lot of my barriers and laziness or getting mm-hmm. getting over like a hump or something. Like I'm not always inspired to write something, huh. even though I need to. Right, yeah. right. I'm trying to get through it. Right. And part of the the last thing I'll say about this part part of uh, just my inspiration behind John Foreman is he's he has written and produced so, so many. many so much music. Eleven Switchfoot albums yeah. and like five and or six eight of his own solo eight. EPs. Right. So you know if it, it, you know that's 110 at least with the albums, and then so this guy's written close to 200, written and produced close to you know between 150 and 200 songs. So that alone, you know, that kind of speaks to the the imperfection you were talking about. Like, doesn't seem like he's afraid to mm-hmm. write something imperfect. Right. He just kind of writes, puts it out there. So I really respect that. This is called uh, Don't Take the Money by Bleachers. Totally written and produced and recorded and scratched by this guy, uh, Jack Antonoff. Jack Antonoff. Yeah, what a killer song. This feels like, yeah, I'll tell you more about it afterwards. But uh, anyway, here it is. And Somebody broke me once. Love was a currency, a shimmering balance act. Think that I left it there And I saw your face and hands Covered in sun and then I think I understand Well I understand But we fight, stay up late In my dreams, on the plane Different sides of the bed Roll your eyes, shave my head Now we're stuck in the storm We were born to ignore And all I got is a chance to just sit
Soaring chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so that inspires you. That so inspires me. It's insane. Yeah. So that, that captures this sort of this, the two-sidedness of me, which is that I'm, I'm a depressed emo boy. <laughs> and I love, like, pop music sometimes. Okay. And I just want that, like, that drive in me. Um, and I think this captures both. No, Jack Antonov, him and um, I'm going to say Bruno Mars are very good, and this is a great example of it, of capturing that nostalgia from the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. You know, and um, he does that with whatever he produces, you know. I think he did that on Taylor Swift's recent stuff. Um, He was involved in that, right? Yeah, at least for a couple of those songs. Yeah. But... uh, I know he worked with Lord. Yeah. Which, by the way, fun fact, she's singing on that chorus. Yeah, if you listen to the live, uh, like his MTV Unplugged version mm-hmm. of it, it well, it doesn't have the same feel. First of all, Lord's yeah. voice comes in, comes through more. Yeah, but yeah, the, this version of that song just seems to fit it. Like, yeah, it's just pumpy, thriving, so unreal. Yeah, I, I, j- <sighs> it is all the electro pop I loved about the '80s. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like they capture the things that you always loved, but never, like, never in the '80s did they capture that at mm-hmm. the time. Not fully. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Genesis, Peter Gabriel kind of... Uh, well, yeah, it's that gated reverb snare that... Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that they really got there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's, so this kind of reminds me of uh, what our band does, which is we have that big sort of chorusy thing, that big... We, we have a big sound to us in some way. But we all... And, and there's a sort of a sad tinge there, but also this, like, melodic beauty that um we th- i think we try to like capture in our music writing i don't think we any of us would say that he that jack antonov is our uh you know songwriting inspiration but certainly when i break it down it does seem that way in, mm-hmm. in many ways mm-hmm. yeah i i like the line where he talks about um uh, well the line is that don't don't take the money and people think like oh when you're breaking up like don't take my money mm-hmm. but what i think the the intention of the lyric he said was uh don't sell out Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. do something that you love and don't sell out right if you can help it and I wonder if that's like it, there's this refrain throughout our episode today it's just like be authentic be vulnerable be real put your heart out mm-hmm. there don't sell out yeah no it's hard when you're making that much money as, yeah. as bleachers or Taylor <laughs> Swift you know but it, especially now for all of us as up and comers you know it, it can't ring more true you know yeah, try to be as much yourself as you can. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's like, what are some of the takeaways for you guys in our discussion so far? Because I think those are the things that kind of stood out to me. I think that was the main thing we agreed on for the most part, you mm-hmm. know, uh, authenticity and honesty in music, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, how to approach that, you know, how to how uh, to be the best version of ourselves when uh, when we're writing, you know, when we're making art. 
I would add to that, don't be afraid to suck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, write stuff, doesn't matter what you write. Because I think, like, well, we were, we started this podcast, and we are like, I mean, we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. But we're, like, nine episodes in. We're getting, mm-hmm. like, a, I mean, lately it's been, like, an episode a week recorded. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it's just, the more you get into something, the better you get at it, and the more you, you feel comfortable with it and just keep doing it. I think it's, like, for anyone who's listening, like, wants to, like, try their hand at songwriting that's a great way to yeah. go just don't be afraid to mess up yeah no one of my good friends uh, who's also a musician out here his name's connor sherland mm-hmm. um he says that uh, i think he says that on another thing where it's just that that whole idea of don't be afraid to mess up you know much of uh, being an up-and-comer um in any music scene not just santa barbara's not just la's down the road is uh, getting those hours in and um, getting uh, that time in um, just in either in the shed or on the stage or whatever you're doing. Put you in know? the work. Um, and it helps out so much later, you know, because uh, you can look back on that as well as all the art that you've put out and be like, I was at this point and now here I am. Mm-hmm. You know, that's at least how I see it. That's mm-hmm. exactly it. You but when you're thrown like straight into the limelight for w- without any um, work put into it, there's, there's a different experience and a different feel, I imagine, with that. Whereas, like, on the on the other hand, is like, when you put in the work, you, you oh, feel yeah. like you have something to latch onto, that first love you were talking about, yeah. like, revelation idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you yeah. put in that work, you gain followers along the way. So people will stay faithful to you, even if your sound evolves, and it's not where you started, but you end up somewhere different. People will still appreciate, because it's still authentic and still, th- still true. But yeah. this kind of scenario where somebody does get thrust into the limelight, in and out, it's people don't have a lot of time to really uh, form an allegiance to that artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas uh, having someone with a story behind them of this is where I was, it's 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 a beautiful thing to watch every time that you see it. And it's so often I hear that, that the story of like the people who made it, they they say things like um man, I I don't know how I got here. Like I Yeah. <laughs> I was writing in the shed. Like you're yeah. you know, I was just writing music. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So often I hear that. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. something to that, everybody. The last thing I'll say, I was one takeaway for me. I, I read recently Leo Tolstoy. He did mm-hmm. a work. What his question is, what is art? That's the mm-hmm. work. And his working definition was, wasn't if it's beautiful, wasn't if it's realistic, like a realism kind of art. A genuine work of art is something where the creator genuinely transmits something that they want their audience to feel as they felt. And then he explores that in more depth. So I think through our conversation, we've sort of affirmed his definition, at least, that yeah. a true work of art is something that we present authentically in the hopes that those who hear it or experience it have the same feeling that we had creating it. Yeah, and I, I want to add to that. Joss Whedon wrote Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, oh, Firefly. We know. Yeah, we yeah. Know. Joss Whedon <laughs> wrote something about art. He said, art is not, it's not your slave, it's your child. It grows up and talks back to you. Mm. So I want to say to, to what Tolstoy said and through Joss Whedon, which is like, let go also. Yeah. Once you've made the thing, learn to let it go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take on a life of its own. I from that. Will, do you have a wise quote from somebody who's better than us? Uh, did I already quote Albert Camus? You did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you <laughs> did. So never mind. You already yeah. got one. You awesome. just preemptively got it in. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Well, this has been episode nine of Music Well with uh, Will Bremen, Jake Elliott, Stephen Sysom, and yours truly, Vos Tedarico, called The Songwriters Expo. 
thanks for joining well done. us. Well thanks done. Well done, guys. Thank you. Yeah, we'll put links to your work you've got going on. We'll put links to Will's work and to Jake's work. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly mine and Stephen's if we have links. <laughs> Yours. The, I do, the yeah. Council. The yeah. Council has mine I'll hide in some obscure corner of the internet so no one finds it. <laughs> <laughs> SoundCloud. Nice. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Cool. Checking well, out. Wonderful. Thank you. Catch you again on the next episode of, of Music course. Well. That was super nice, right? That's gonna come out really nice. Yeah, it came out well. Yeah, Yeah. great meeting of the minds. Yeah, that would be a word.